You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, All of You. Enjoy. I'm telling you, the life He has for you is beyond what you've imagined and beyond what you've hoped for. Hallelujah. And I appreciate the word that He came forward to fix our eyes on, on our Father, fix our eyes on the Lord. That's exactly what He has been uh, encouraging me in and to encourage you in. Uh, you know, and I'm not, you got to understand me, and I hope you hear with the ears of your heart and with your spirit. I'm not finding fault with man. Man is doing the best he can, and man is operating uh, out of his wisdom and trying to do the right thing. But when you're walking in the spirit and when you've renewed your mind with the word of God, you look at what's going on around in the world very differently. And I want you to know that, that 2020, we, set, we ushered in a decade of praise. And that's exactly what's happening. And Satan doesn't want that to continue. And Satan implemented a strategy uh, in the world to make people afraid, to get people to buy into a lie and call it a pandemic. And it's simply not true. I'm not dismissing the existence of a virus. But I'll tell you, just naturally speaking, and, and the CDC just released some corrected figures very quietly, I think this past week. wasn't in the news. I wonder why. But out of the 196-some thousand deaths that they initially reported, they corrected it to be 6% of that. Why wasn't that on the news? Because it stopped the fear. 6%, so a total of like, that, 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 so initially a report came out saying COVID-related deaths, which was not accurate. The truth is that those deaths had other pre-existing conditions and COVID was in the body, which could have complicated things. I understand that. But if you look at just the death caused by COVID alone, it drops down to 6%. And I did math. I think it's like 9,000 deaths or something. It's like 0. 0.0 something of 1%. Can you imagine shutting down society for a virus that week? That's unthinkable. There are viruses we deal with every single year that are much stronger than this. Much stronger. I, I said again, uh, pneumonia is like 777% stronger than this. I, in my lifetime, we've never shut down a society because of pneumonia. I'm telling you, spirits are at work trying to stop the progress America has made trying to stop the prosperity America has grown in in these recent years. There has been an awakening in America. I hope you haven't got caught up in the media's nonsense. There's been an awakening of righteousness in America in, the, in these very recent years. I hope you're not looking to the media for your news source. Where do we look? In our hard copy Bibles, right? There's a reason it's called the good news. 
It's the news you need to see straight. It's the news you need to live fear-free. It's the news you need to understand what's really going on in the world. Make no mistake, I've got to say these things because there's a calling on my life to lead people into the fullness of God's destiny. Make no mistake, this has been a strategy of the enemy to separate and isolate you. There are things that you would not accept if you were here in person consistently in our worship services that you would accept if you're isolated at home for a prolonged period of time. Because when you're physically here, you're physically in the presence of an anointing that will protect you and keep you from going in the wrong direction. There are many reasons why we're exhorted not to forsake the assembling together. Many reasons. The anointing is perhaps the chief among them. There is an anointing when you're physically in the presence of the ministry gifts and the anointed preaching of the Word that will protect you, that will keep you moving forward, that will illuminate your mind and illuminate your heart and keep you from listening to the lies of the enemy. And the reports that I've heard of so many during this quote-unquote stay-at-home time that have gone in different directions and left the things they once believed. It's sad. My prayer is that they return. That their eyes are open. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus is Lord. God, God's Word is true. That they would come back and move, continue moving forward. Come on, come back. Come back to the things that God has revealed to you. Come back to the simple realities of Jesus Christ. Come back to the way, the truth, and the life. Come back to the Word of God. Come on back to the Bible. Woo! Jesus. Don't let anything take you away from this book. Don't let anything take you away from the truth of God's Word. Hallelujah. Don't let anyone take you away from this book. I'm not, I'm not dogmatic or legalistic. I'm not. You know me. I'm not religious. I'm poo-poo on the whole thing. But I am in a relationship with the living Word of God. And don't let the ignorance of man keep you from the life of the Bible. This is a book that is alive, it is infallible and inerrant. And there is, well, I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'll hear some things, but I, I've heard a lot of arguments about this book over the years. People trying to discredit it, Christians even, saying, well, there are parts of it that are the Word of God. Then there are other parts, the parts that I don't agree with or understand, those aren't the Word of God. And what they're doing is robbing themselves of a transformed life. You see, Hebrews 4 says the Word of God is living. Quick, the King James says, and powerful. Alive 
and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So this, this, is, a, this is a safeguard for you. So I can tell where my mind is and where my heart is by my reaction as I read the Word. If I have an adverse reaction to what I'm reading in the Word of God, whether it's in Exodus or Revelation, then it's telling me my mind needs to be renewed. My heart needs to be submitted to who He is. You know, I, I heard someone say something. I thought, my goodness, it's amazing. Let me share. I heard people say that, I heard someone say that, that God is an angry God who hates people. And the Bible teaches that. Now, I've been reading, I don't know how many times I've read through the Bible, several. And I will continue. I'm talking about Genesis to Revelation, every book. And I'll continue doing that for the rest of eternity because it's limitless. And in over 30 years of reading it, I don't ever recall having a thought that God is angry at people and hates them. I mean, I don't ever recall having that thought because it's not in there. It's not in there. In fact, that is the opposite of what this Word teaches. How can you read the Bible and come to the opposite conclusion of what the Bible teaches? Wrong thinking. A heart that's not submitted. A, heart, a, a mind that's been inundated with human wisdom. See, this Bible will locate you. It will show you where your heart is and where your mind is. Don't run from that. Listen, when you get on a scale, do you cover your eyes? Well, you might, but you don't have to. <laughs> Sometimes. You, what, what, you jump on and jump off, right? What do we get on a scale for? We want to know how much we weigh. That reveals something about how we live, doesn't it? Listen, we don't want to run from the truth. We want to embrace it so we can change. Right? When we open the Bible, we're stepping on a scale. And we'll get a reading to find out where our mind is at and where our heart is. And don't be afraid of that reading. When you can read through this from Genesis 1-1 all the way through Revelation and embrace it without reservation, you know you're in a vibrant relationship with Him. This is the... This is the, the, the um, the scale, the test. And so many believers aren't even reading it. And they've got some Jesus in their mind and some world in their mind. And they hear messages like this and they want to reject them because they haven't renewed their mind. You can't mix uh, salt and water. You can't mix uh, fresh water and salt water. You get a briny water that's not fresh. God wants the salt of His Word to be in your mind so that your mind would be clean and fresh and you'd never be afraid again. We're starting a series today and we're going to talk about the heart 
of God. And uh, <laughs> I laugh that word heart, H-E-A-R-T. Jennifer and I went on uh, the voting day for primaries on Tuesday. We went to vote. And, uh, you know, they ask you your address in your town. And I said, Heart Street. And she just looked at me like I was speaking another language. She said, where? I said, Heart Street. Oh, Hot Street. She said, Hot Street. I said, yeah, yeah. She mean like hot, liver, kidney. Yeah, that's right. Heart, heart street. <laughs> so we're talking about God's heart. The heart of God. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> the heart of God. But the title of this series is called All of You. All of you. Now why would we call a series about the heart of God, all of you? Because when you realize what's in God's heart, you realize it beckons for all of you. For everything you are and everything you've got. Let's look at the heart of God. Let's, let's fix our minds on His heart on his dreams, on his plans. When you look at the heart of God, you're talking about a heart that's so full of perfect love and life. You're talking about a heart that is, that is just bursting with dreams that are beyond your greatest imagination. You're talking about a heart that has nothing but pure life and light. You're talking about a heart with no darkness, a heart with no evil, a heart that is pure. And it's a heart that is calling for you. And it's a heart that calls for nothing less than all of you. It's the heart of God. Let's look at God's heart in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 16. And we don't have the scriptures up there today because I've got the laptop. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. John chapter 3, verse 16. We're talking about a heart that's so pure, a heart that's overflowing with life and healing, with dreams that you haven't dreamed yet, with a vision you haven't seen yet, that is summoning you to give your all. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved. This is what the Bible teaches. Don't listen to the Google results and the people that are ranting and raving online about the Bible. Read it for yourself. For God so loved the world. Do you see any hatred in there? For God so loved the world. What did he do? What, what did he, the love that was in his heart move him to do? Give his son. 
give his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him, this is available to anyone from any nation, any walk of life, any situation or circumstance, whosoever believes in his son, his only son, shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the heart of God. But you're not going to fully understand his heart if you don't know what eternal life is. Did you keep your can of dereligification spray over this COVID thing? It'll cure your COVID too. You know that? <laughs> Come on, let's get out our can of dereligification spray and shake it. And you want to spray off that word in your mind, eternal life, okay? There are religious definitions of word in the Bible that are... You want Jesus' definitions of what's in the Bible. Okay? Jesus is not talking about going to heaven here. We're going to read his definition in just a moment. If you have eternal life, you'll go to heaven. That's not what eternal life is. How do I know that? Because I've read what Jesus said. I know things because I read what he says and I believe it. Oh, man. Let's read what Jesus says. Whether you believe it or not, it's up to you. He can't make you believe. He can only offer himself to you, and then you must choose to believe. John 17, 3. This is a combination of the Amplified Classic and, and the Passion Translation. And this is Jesus' definition of eternal life. I'm going to go with him. How about you? What if some esteemed religious theologian tells you something differently that that even mildly contradicts this? Who are you going to go with? I'm going to go with Jesus. How about you? Are you willing to let Jesus define your life? Define every thought and every desire and every dream? All of you. This is eternal life. It means to know, K-N-O-W, you. It means to know you, to perceive, to recognize, to experience, and understand you. The only true and real God. That's what eternal life is. And the word that is used there in the Greek is an idiom that was used in the Scriptures to speak of a husband's relationship with his wife when it said that in Matthew that Joseph knew not his wife until Jesus was born. That's the intimacy of this word. It is a word of an intimate, transforming relationship. What happens when a husband and a wife come together intimately? Life is produced. When you are joined with God the Father, life is produced in you. This is what eternal life is. It's a transforming relationship with the one who made you that produces life in you. Everything God does 
And everything that is written in his holy word is with this in mind. Intimacy with you. Intimacy that produces life everywhere you go. If I ask you this question, what is your most valuable asset, what would you say? What's your most valuable asset? My iPhone? Think about it. What, what do you think? What's your most valuable asset? I'll give you a clue. It's something all of us have the same amount of. Time. Time. All of us have the same amount of time every day, 24 hours, 1,440 minutes. But there's a difference in how we each choose to spend it. What are some possible, let me ask you this, what are some profitable ways to spend your time? Just holler them out. What are some profitable ways? To spend your time. Well, prayer, prayer, yeah. Reading, yeah. Breathing is good, yeah. Good to do every now and then. Once a week maybe, huh? What's that? Sleep, good. Rest, yes. Relationship, yeah. yeah. Dreaming, those are all good. Now let me ask you this question. I mean, I like profiting. That's not a statement of greed. That's the nature of our Father is to bear fruit. It's the only reason we put a seed in the ground. So those who, who are against prospering must have never had a garden. Because if we listen to their philosophy, what they'd want us to do is to put a seed in the ground and not expect anything to come up. God expects fruit when He plants a seed. When you hear the Word of God, He's expecting a result to show up in your life because He wants to plant it in your heart and He expects us to believe it. This is what the enemy does. He comes in with other philosophies to steal that seed from you. Yeah. It's hard to watch him do that as a pastor. Yeah. I see it happen way too often. You're not going to let it happen to you, are you? No. you? You're the only one who can decide that. You've got to make up your mind. God's Word is going to grow in my heart and I will not accept anything less. So here's a question. Is there a more profitable way of spending your time than spending your time to know Him intimately? Than spending your time to follow and serve Jesus Christ? Don't answer. I know we're in church. I will say, oh, yes, that's right. I want you to really think about it. Don't, don't give me a church answer. I'm going to ask a question, don't, I, don't answer out loud, but I want you to think of your life, because we've all got 24 hours every day. Is there a more profitable way for you personally to spend your time than spending your time to know, follow, and serve Jesus Christ? I'll give you the answer. No, there's not. But 
Do you believe that? Do you believe that spending your moments to know Him is what you're living for? That doesn't mean we don't do anything. Because out of relationship with Him, work will come. We will employ ourselves out of our relationship with Him. There are businesses inside of us. There are dreams. There are all kinds of things, investments, plans, and strategies. I'm not talking about sitting there in your closet all day. I'm talking about fixing your eyes on Him. And doing what you do because of his love for you and your love for him. Is there anything more profitable than knowing, following, and serving Jesus Christ? The lottery, hello. I'm amazed. I go to a gas station. And someone comes in front of me at the counter and they snatch up like 20 tickets. How much does a ticket cost? I don't even know. How much does a lottery ticket cost? Well, you guys don't play the lottery? Huh? I've never bought one. I don't know. It's probably what? I'm just, $1 to $30? Wow. Amazing, huh? Wow. I've seen people just like tear a stack. Yeah. But think about it, and I want you to be real. Think about winning the lottery, whatever, I don't know, $30 million. Compare, is it, is it more profitable to win the lottery than it would be to spend your time knowing him, following him, and serving him? doesn't matter what comes out of your mouth. The answer to this is going to show up later today and tomorrow. What do you really believe is the most profitable way for you to employ your time and energy? I'm here to tell you and encourage you and exhort you. It's to spend your time and energy pursuing Him. To make your whole life about pursuing and being right in the center of His heart. His heart. Are you ready for some hot Jesus? H-O-T? Luke chapter 14. Go ahead and praise him, girl. I love it. Luke 14. I say hot Jesus. She screams. Come on. Woo! Yes, girl. Come on. She got it. Yes, I love it. She stay right here. That's my buddy. She doesn't go anywhere. I love it. Praise him, Z. Luke 14, verse 26. Come on, are you ready for some fresh hot Jesus? Let me see if, I'm, if that's the right place I want to go. There's a couple places here. Oh, man. Hallelujah. There's a crowd gathering around Jesus. You know, after he fed the multitudes, 
Crowds came to him. Do you know why they came? They got a free all-you-can-eat meal. If you want a crowd, offer a free all-you-can-eat meal. They didn't come to know him. Why do you come on Sunday? Why are you involved in highway? Why are you serving? Why are you not serving? Why are you plugged into the get-togethers? Wait till you see this study we're going to do in September. You will never be the same. Never. Never. Two Wednesdays from now, the 16th, right here. So Jesus is so good, and he's loving, and he's kind. And remember, he wants to reveal to you how much he loves you and where you're at. If I don't know where I'm at, I can't get to where I want to go. Come on, when you look on your phone, if you can't see that little blue dot on your GPS, you're lost. Because it doesn't matter what else I look at on the map, if I don't know where I'm at, how can I get where I want to go? Come on. Don't be afraid to know where you're at. Can you imagine trying to go somewhere, but I don't know where I'm at? It can't happen. It can't happen. The first thing in order for me to get where I want to go is I've got to know where I'm at. Step one, this is the GPS of your life. When you open this book and read it and believe it. Okay, I'll say it. We watched a movie uh, over... Our vacation, or on the last night of our vacation, it was a, a free on-demand movie in our uh, resort there, and it was called Harriet. How many of you have seen the movie Harriet, about Harriet Tubman? I think it came out recently, in the last two, three years, didn't it? A couple months ago, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, it's a movie about Harriet Tubman. Oh, help me, Jesus. Now, I know, who knows how many liberties Hollywood took, but I thought it was actually very good. But she never learned to read or write. She was a slave. She was in bondage, but she never learned to read or write. But something that she learned, she talked to God. And they had a, they had a, 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 a minister who had preached the Bible to them. And she, she started hearing from God in her life. And she became an amazing woman that rescued, at the beginning, about 70 people from slavery. And then it, then it was led to hundreds more. But she's makes it, she escapes from the, the bondage that she was in. And she's listening to God. And she traveled by herself, uh, an, an African-American woman traveling by herself in, what, 18, it was before the Civil War. I don't, I don't remember the exact year she, she got her freedom. But she went all the way from where she was, 100 miles north, across the border of Pennsylvania into Philadelphia. It was impossible to do what she did. And you know how she did it? She listened to God. And she admits it. See, I, I hear from God. He tells me what to do. So she walked into Philadelphia, and if you've seen the movie, and she walked into a home where there was an African-American woman beautifully dressed, 
prospering, had her owned the home, owned her own business, and it was like she didn't even know anything like that existed. This woman took her in and, 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 and blessed her and, and helped her. And there's a scene where this woman is, is bathing Harriet and helping her. And, and she asks her, she says, what's it like when you say God speaks to you? Tell me about that. And here's Harriet, and she's just talking the best she knows how. But she says, I think I learned to hear, hear God like other people have learned to read and write. And I'm not getting this word for word, and I don't know if this is an actual quote. I have a feeling, though, it's, it probably is, but it, it's very revealing. She said, sometimes when he speaks to me, it's like a smack in the face. Wakes you up. Doesn't hurt you. She says, other times it's like a dream. You know what, let me just read the thing. I put it on my phone. So I said, Jennifer, record that. So Jennifer went up to the TV, recorded it on our voice memo, and then emailed it to me, and I typed it and put it in my notes. That's how I do. I grab things. I grab things. It's mine. I'll take it. That's too good. I'll take it. So I put it in my notes under quote from Harriet Tubman on hearing from God. I haven't researched it yet, but it's good anyway. Let's see here. All right, where are you? Quote, faith, fear, freedom, fear is gone. Identity, kindness, kingdom of God, evil. Okay. Let me put it in the wrong note here. Oh, I have to use my little search feature. Oh, I, I should put it in hearing God's voice. Okay, here we go. All right. Um, she says, sometimes it's sting, like a smack in the face. Other times it's soft like a dream. Fly off as soon as you wake. Seem like I learned to see and hear God like some learn to read a book. I put all my attention on it. I act without question. before I can wonder if I even heard it at all. Preach it, Harriet. Before I can understand what it means. This is childlike faith. And this is how you experience God. And there's a scene in the movie where she has come back to rescue one other slave, and she's got now like, I don't know, seven, ten of them with me. I want to come, I want to come. She takes them all, and they've got a baby with them. And she says, okay, we'll do it. And she's listening to God. Sometimes she'll just stop and stand there. And they are surrounded because people are trying to capture her. They don't know it's a her, but this person that's freeing slaves. And they're standing, and they come up to a bank of a river, and there's nowhere to go, and this river is deep, and it's wide. And I don't even know if she could swim or any of them could swim. And so they're freaking out. What are we going to do? And she just closes her eyes and she listens. She says, we're going to cross the river. And they freak out. We're not going to. I didn't come all this way to die. We can't do this. We can't do And she just stands there. And she listens to God. And she has a gun with her. She lifts the gun up, lifts her hands up. She starts walking into the river. It looks crazy. She walks into the river and the water gets higher and higher and higher. And she's like 
almost three quarters of the way, and it's almost up to her chin, and she stops and starts praying. <laughs> she, and she says, I wish I, God, she says, there are rivers of living water in me. I know you spoke to me. She says, get me across this river, and she walks all the way across the river, and they start celebrating, and they follow her, and they all make it to freedom because she heard from God. Let me read that again. I put all my attention on it. I act without question before I can wonder if I even heard it at all, before I can understand what it means. <laughs> Hearing from God. Give Him your full attention. How many times have we been saying that at Highway over these past months? Give Him your full attention. So here's Jesus. All the free meal folks came. They want some more. And look what Jesus said. He wants to locate them so they can be free. Because free meals don't set you free. If you spend your life looking for free meals, you're in bondage. Because you're always dependent on what someone else can do for you instead of what God wants to do for you. That's so, what's so damaging about so many... Uh, Government programs are just sending people checks. They think it's a good thing. It's not a good thing. Because you never develop the potential inside of you from employing yourself, from getting up and saying, I've got to do this or I'm not going to eat. I've got to develop my gifts. I've got to be productive. I've got to fulfill my destiny. Oh, man, oh, man, are we in for a climax to 2020. So here's Jesus. Come on, we're stepped on the scale. Here's the locator, Luke 14, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, uh, where's my free meal? What? Wake up. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, I'm just reading from the Bible, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Don't you love him? Isn't he wonderful to give us the truth? I thought God loved the world. He does. See, you've got to keep things in context when you read the Bible. It's a big book. Jesus is saying that your love for God the Father is not even comparable to your love for anyone else. You cannot compare the love and commitment that you have to God to anyone else. He is that worthy. I love my wife and my children. And obviously, the whole concept of family is from God. He made 
men and women, marriage and family. Of course he wants us to, and again, you read the whole scriptures. He says, husband, love your wives as Christ loves the church. So keep it in context. He got people following him for a free meal, and he wakes them up. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. But a cross is not pleasant. I don't want to do that. How about he who does not sit in his recliner cannot be my disciple? I can do that. But he didn't say that. He who owns a lazy boy. No. He said, who who does not bear his cross? You know, there are no lazy boys here. We're here to do a work. We're here to serve Christ. Because there's a work to be done right here in this region of our nation. People need to know him, but they're not going to be able to know him if you don't step up to the plate and follow and serve Christ. What's Jesus doing? He's trying to get their minds off of their comfort and into the reality of who he is. God wants to give you so much more than a free meal. And then he continues. This is the very next verse, so so stay with me. Verse 28 of Luke 14. And then he says, For which of you intending to build a tower? What was he just talking about? Total commitment to God. Well, your love for God can't even be compared to anyone else. That he is in a class all by himself in your heart. That he is the only one sitting on the throne of your heart. For which of you intending to build a tower? What does commitment to God have to do with building everything? Which of you intending to build a tower? Because if you're not committed to him, I guarantee you, you're going to quit somewhere along the line. Because the enemy will come against you. People will come against you. Fear will come against you. Which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first? Remember the question I asked you at the beginning? Is there anything more profitable than spending your time to know Him, to follow Him, and to serve Him? It is a privilege of mine to be a part of a church and do anything I can to help this church succeed. What a privilege. Every, every time we come, the first thing Jennifer does, and we're here, you know, sometimes 8.30, whatever. first thing Jennifer goes around, walks around, straightening chairs, picking things up. Just... And, and, and does it without asking. This is a woman who's been serving God her whole, since she was 12 years old. These are things you do when he's sitting on the throne of your heart. And you do them, you look for opportunities to pick up things. It is a privilege to serve our kids. I love watching them go into the pantry and find snacks. They don't know that, but I get a kick out of it. Because I know it makes them happy. But it costs me money. I don't care. See, the things that love motivates you to do that others would look at it and say, you spend $300 a week on groceries? Joyfully. 
joyfully. Which of you intending to build a tower? How's your tower? How's it coming? Does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Is it really profitable for me to give my all to Jesus Christ? You better decide that today, I'm telling you. We're at a moment in time where you need to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. (laughs) He used to be a Christian. Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. What do you desire to accomplish and build in your life? Is it really worth it? (laughs) Well... We got home and uh, we, we were sifting through, I think it was Netflix, and we found a movie called The Founder. Have you guys seen that one? It's about the beginning of a, oh, I revealed the franchise. I shouldn't have said it. I don't want to put anyone down. But anyway, this movie was about the beginning of a franchise. Uh, and it, it showed two honest men who started a burger place two brothers, and they were nice men. And they came up with this great system of producing a fresh hot burger in 30 seconds. From the time you order it, it would be in your hands, and it was good. And they were doing great. And I'm really not trying to just help me out a little bit here. I'm just sharing principles and ideas. So someone came along to this thing they had built whose motives weren't pure. His motive was to make money. Period. And he didn't care what he had to do to make the money he wanted to make. He didn't care who he hurt or destroyed. Now, this was Hollywood depiction. I don't know how true this was in real life. So, but, but I'm saying to you, there are people who have motives are not pure. And they will come to tear down your tower. Jesus! And that's exactly what this man did. And he stole... Through, through clever tricks and, and legal uh, ways, uh, he took from these brothers what they created. And he made a ton of money. A ton. Was married three times. Hopefully at some, and again, I, this is Hollywood. I don't know how much of this is true, and I'm, I'm not trying to put anyone down. But if this was true, hopefully that man at some point in his life turned to Christ and said, Father, forgive me for what I've done and show yourself to me. I hope he did. But I'm telling you, there are people who want to tear down your tower. You have an enemy. Satan is an enemy that wants to keep you from fulfilling your destiny and building the very things that God called you to build. But you're the only one who can decide right now, is it worth it to come to church every Sunday? to hear the Word, to worship God, to hear the Word, to bring my tithes and to bring my offerings and to celebrate and grow in the Word of God, to listen to the podcast, to come to the get-togethers, to study the Bible like it's my life depends on it. Is it really worth it? You don't have to say yes. Don't be fake. Because if you don't feel it is, do something else.
I would like to let you know it is. I would like to tell you there's nothing more profitable. There's nothing that, that will satisfy you and invigorate and heal and transform you like following Him. With all that you are. It's the only way to follow Him. All of us are building something. You say, I'm not building something. Yes, you are. You're building something every day. How? With the decisions you make. You're building something. Every single Even if you choose to sit in your lazy boy 24 hours a day, you're building something. What are you building? A lazy life. What did Jesus do when he came to the lazy servant? What did Jesus do? He gave one, and this, was, this is in the parables, right? He gave one servant, was it one talent? One servant, two talents and five or five and ten? What am I saying? One, two, and five, right? Yeah. One, and then he gave another two, and he gave another five, and he went away. This is a parable, but he's talking about us following him. And the one who got one decided to believe that his, that his master is bad that he, he hates people. So he took that one and he buried it in the ground. He believed wrong things about God. The other ones took what he gave them and they went and they invested and traded with them and they received back a return. And when he returned, he rewarded the one. He said, I, I took what you gave me and, and here's five more. And he blessed him with, with, with a position of authority over cities. Same with the other servant. But the one who chose to believe wrong things about God, he said, you lazy, wicked servant. Because it was true. God never says anything to hurt anybody. He says it so we can locate ourselves and get where we want to go, where we are called to go. What if you looked at your GPS and it showed you in Arizona, but you were in Massachusetts? You'd be living a lie, wouldn't you? We wanted to go to Arizona, but we had to start in Massachusetts because that's where we are. So when God speaks to you, he's locating you, not to put you down or hurt you, but to get you where you're called to be. Man, this is good. Every day you're building something by the voices you choose to listen to. Every day you're building something by the thoughts you choose to meditate on. Every day you're building something. What are you building? Well, just look at the thoughts you're meditating on. And that's the tower that you're building. Look at the voices you're listening to. That's the tower you're building. Look at the decisions you're making. That's the tower you're building. Last passage, and we'll finish. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. How are we doing? Okay? You know you're loved. I love you. I'm so thankful for each of you. I mean that. Every person that's here, every person that's, all, uh, that's 
participating online. I'm, I, I, I've had the privilege of spending time with each of you and talking to you and getting to know you. I say, God, thank you for these beautiful people. Each one of you brings something so special to my life just by knowing you. God's just locating us right now. Mark chapter 10, 17. Now, as he was going out of the road, that's Jesus, one comes running to Jesus. Let's picture it. I like to picture the Bible when I read it. Use your imagination when you read the Bible. See it happening. One came running and knelt before Jesus. I mean, that's, that's passionate, right? Here's a person, other people are kind of like, oh, what's he doing? There's Jesus, oh yeah. Here comes a guy running, running in front of everyone, get out of my way, and he kneels before Jesus. So this guy wants something. And he asks him, saying, good teacher. Now, you might have a heading in your Bible that says the rich young ruler. This was a very wealthy young man who was in a position of authority. The world would say this is a successful young man. Do you know what the world considers success? Could very well be a gross failure. God considers success intimacy with him and the fulfillment of your destiny. Doing what he's called you to do, that's his success. And I guarantee you if you do it, you'll prosper. <laughs> no one wants you to prosper more than he does. Good teacher. Now look at this guy's focus. He's running to Jesus, but his focus is on himself. Ha! He's running. But his focus is on himself. What shall I do that I may get? Oh, man. What shall I do that I may get? I love when I see that attitude in churches. People coming in. What can I do so that I can get? Oh, boy. In the wrong place, bro. This is a kingdom of giving. What shall I do that I may get? Eternal life. See, this verse is locating him. His wor your words locate you. You may not realize it because your mind's not renewed, but, boy, they locate you. It locates the priorities of his heart. What is it? Himself and getting. That's his priority, right? It reveals the tower this man is building. It's a tower of him himself. It's a tower of possessions. His focus is on himself, and it's on what he can accomplish. He believes in his own wisdom and efforts. He believes that his own wisdom and efforts are sufficient to gain eternal life. What do I got to do to get it? Jesus speaks to this man based on the tower this man is building. Verse 17 in Matthew's account of chapter Matthew, Matthew 19, verse 17, records Jesus' response in this way. So I just read to you Mark 10, 17. Now I'm going to read you Matthew 19, 17. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? I love how he locates us. 
Flattery gets you nowhere with God. Nowhere. He sees right through it. Beware of someone who flatters. Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Listen, (laughs) Jesus is speaking to this man according to this man's mindset and priorities. This is a man who is about himself and about getting things. So Jesus is going to talk to him right there. Keep the commandments. Okay. He said to him, which ones? (laughs) Oh, this is funny. Jesus said, can you imagine that? Which ones? You're seeing his attitude here. Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't it interesting? Jesus chose these ones. Why? They all deal with relationships with people. See, when you're building a tower for yourself, your relationships with your people are about getting something from them. Not about blessing them. Back to Mark, continuing the conversation. This is in, in, in Matthew and Mark. I'm going back and forth to Mark 20. Excuse me, Mark chapter 10, verse 20. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Wow. Now, I thought when I read the Bible that Jesus was the only one who ever perfectly walked with God. But there was another guy, according to him. I've done all these. This man is claiming that he's perfectly obeyed God his whole life. I mean, that is the epitome of arrogance, isn't it? We've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all blown it. I've I've done it. Check. (laughs) Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. That's verse 21. Loved him of Mark chapter 10. He loved him. That's his motivation for everything he says and does. Remember that. Love locates you. Love locates you. Embrace it. He loved him and he said to him, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. Verse 22, but he was sad at this word. The greatest invitation any human being could ever receive. And it made this man sad because he was building the wrong tower. And he went away sorrowful. He's not running now.
It's not what he came for. It's not part of his tower. His tower. Now, listen to me. Some, oh boy. Some have taken Jesus' response to this man and tried to build a doctrine out of it and say all Christians should be poor, which makes no sense. Because if you keep reading, which we don't have time for, we'll get to it next week, you'll find out that if this man would have said yes to Jesus, Jesus himself said he would have received a hundred, one hundred times as much as he currently had. Is it more profitable to spend your time following and serving Christ? A hundred times more profitable than anything else you could ever do. <laughs> We've got to stop. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for locating us. We don't resist you. We submit to you because we know you love us. And your love locates us. And your love is showing us where we're at so we can get where you've called us to be. Thank you for loving us that much. Loving us enough to always be truthful with us. We respond to your love this morning. And Father, we love you. We love you. And we recognize that nothing is more profitable than spending our lives to know, pursue, follow, and serve you. Thank you, Jesus. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.